welcome to the Digital Side Hug. It's uh, David Rubio, and I'm on the road with Patrick Chappelle. Yes. Patrick, <laughs> well, how's it going? Oh man, it is. I'm fantastic. I, I just hit the. I just hit our tri- trip odometer, and we are working on. We just made 2,886 miles together the last three days. It has been quite a journey. Um, well, in just a minute, we're going to tell them who you are. Okay, that sounds uh, good. And meet you. With, but first of all, let's talk about why we're doing this road trip. We're on the road. The last time I did an on the road digital side of podcast. I was with my wife, uh, and we were on our way to and on our way back from the Simply Youth Ministry Conference. This this on the road podcast is very different yeah. because, and we're not going to be able to tell you guys where we went. No, isn't that right? That no, we cannot. We cannot tell people. Where this we're, has been a survey trip that is a mystery because we're going to take. A mystery trip with with our church. <laughs> yes, Patrick, tell everybody what you do at Otter Creek. Well, I am the college and young adult minister at Otter Creek Church. That's what I do. And so you work with college students. You work with young adult singles, singles, young married couples, uh, 20, 30 year olds. Like that's college students. That's what I do. And we have sort of dreamed up an idea of a potential trip someday with some high schoolers and some college students or, yeah. or other young adults. Yes. That, yes, that is the dream and the goal of this trip is to connect college students and young adults to high school students. Uh, I, I just think this is going to be something so unforgettable for both groups of people, it, it, I, I truly think it's going to be life changing. <laughs> well, and and this podcast, as you know, Patrick, is for is designed is designed for youth workers. Yeah. Uh, and so all of us out there that are working in congregational settings with youth groups want badly for the students that we graduate to connect to the body when they when they're in college or beyond. And so everybody listening to this podcast probably understands. You know the desire to see that happen, um, yeah. and and hopefully this trip will will be a part of that and a really cool deal, like you yeah. said. Um, we left two days ago and <laughs> drove a long way. Long. Yesterday way. we did a whole, we got a whole lot done <laughs> at this trip destination, kind of looking around and thinking about how God could use this trip in the lives of our students and the lives of the, the young adults in your ministry. Um, we were amazed. Yeah. We were truly amazed about what the possibilities could there be. There was a moment yesterday when I was sitting, and I can't tell you where because it's so exciting, um, but I sat and I, it was so easy to envision the students in the OCYG that might be on this trip next year or sometime you know, between now and next year, yeah. and just imagining them connecting with one another, imagining them seeing God, hearing God. It's really going to be cool. Now, this is not. This will not have been our first mystery trip. No, no. We, you and I went on a mystery trip many years ago. Yes. Uh, Patrick uh, was an intern, a youth ministry intern for uh, me at, here at Otter Creek in 2005. And one of your jobs that summer was to put together a mystery trip for our youth group. Yeah. Tell us about it. Well, so me and my co-intern, Sandy Flag Johnson, now she's married, we came up with this incredible idea uh, for the mystery trip 
and the ending destination was Cedar Point, an amazing, an amazing amusement park. Some of the greatest roller coaster yes. rides in the world. So it's a, it's tears to your eyes of joy with some of these roller coasters. So we that was the where we were where we were going. But we didn't tell anybody that. Nobody no, knew where we were going. No one knew that. So what we did is we got in the van and we drove to. You want to tell them where we yeah, some because well, you're you're the expert in this yes, place. Okay, on the way to Cedar Point, <laughs> there is a place in Kentucky. It's it's slightly off the path, um, but there's a place. Our our bus broke down on the way there. Actually, uh, we got That's the bus fixed, true. and then we took everybody to the Stone Campbell Meeting House at Cane Ridge, <laughs> which is one of the famous meeting houses that 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 held a revival in the early uh, 1800s for our movement the stone campbell movement which birthed the disciples of christ the the churches of christ acapella uh the united churches of christ and also the uh christian church and so barton w stone is buried there there's a huge memorial at his gravesite. there is a building that surrounds an old wooden meeting house we had a worship service there it's so great we we brought the teens off the bus we told them here we are we made it to our destination and they had these stunned looks on their faces because they knew we were going somewhere fun but they also knew i was a huge stone campbell history junkie yes i was in grad school at the time and had been doing writing all these papers on the stone campbell history and and i was so geared up for this trip and i truly was thrilled you know my whole i was so excited to be at this stone campbell <laughs> meeting house in Caton ridge kentucky and the looks on their faces eric and logan ennis eric ennis was so mad that we went to this meeting house and that's what they were they because it was like a three-day trip we yes we were spending one day in this location and i told them we were coming back the next day staying in a local hotel oh no 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 remember the lady who was the tour guide she played into yes you're right and she was like she got on the bus you're gonna go and stay them, yes <laughs> she played it up with us she did it right she told him you're gonna have a great time exploring the grounds uh, exploring the museum, which of course we didn't do no. because we had like a 20 minute Devo <laughs> and then revealed to them that we're actually going to uh, Cedar Cedar Point in uh, Sandusky, Ohio. And it was awesome. It was fun. We built community. But one of the things, Patrick, that I love about mystery trips and one of the reasons yeah. we still do them is because uh, and, and not everybody works in a location that is like ours. We serve at a congregation in Brentwood, Tennessee. Um, the area that we live in is fairly affluent. Most of our families and teens control their circumstances right. all the time. Right. They've got enough money to, to have what not just what they need, but also what they want. Um, and they're very rarely out of control. That's right. Um, but life in Christ on earth you know in the heavenly realms our spiritual lives it's very different and and we are not in control of what happens to us we're not in control of our circumstances very often and we find ourselves you know feeling like what what's happening here what is God doing with me and I have found that a, a trip like this that yeah. that tells students you're just gonna have to trust that this ministry loves you that this trip is gonna be a blessing to you that there's nothing we're going to experience on this trip that that isn't going you know that we can't get through together even if we end up where you don't want to go right you know because we had actually uh caitlin burkhart was on this trip <laughs> and got to the caitlin can't ride roller coasters no she can't she gets motion sickness 
so bad and couldn't ride anything but this little kitty roller coaster. We ended up <laughs> in a place where Caitlin really would not have chosen to go on her own, which in our lives with God, that happens so often. Preach. That is we true. We end up in places, yes. you know, family members get sick or, or job situations happen or, you know, and the, the world, we just wonder what is happening. And so I've, I, this, the mystery trip is a great way to teach you can trust the person in charge yeah. of your life. Um, and I would even say, too, if you're at, I encourage youth ministers, youth workers, that even if you're not at a church and at a place where you can pull off a mystery trip and not tell anyone. Including parents. Yeah, we don't tell parents. Yeah, we don't tell, we don't tell parents or we didn't tell parents. Even if you can't pull that off, I think you can still do something where not all of the trip is revealed. Not everything is is revealed. You, you know some things, but you don't know everything. Or you, you do something that surprises the students, but you know it's coming. Yeah, that's good. You right. know? And so that way, it, 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 it at least gives you the opportunity to do some of the things that David and I are talking about when it comes to to the mystery trip. So other mystery trip destinations, we, we went to Key West one year um, oh, on an MLK so weekend. We drove to, to Key West and nobody knew and it was awesome. So did you stop by Montgomery and walk the bridge? We did not. We okay. did. We should have done that, but we did not. We drove down through Atlanta and, and went that way. Uh, in fact, the, the students got so excited they just knew we were going to Disney World. So when we got to the turn off to Disney World, I was like, who wants to go to Disney World? Everybody cheered and, and we drove right past and kept going. And oh, the look oh. on Craig Harwell's face. All right, anyway, we also last year took a, took a mystery trip um, one year ago in January, so I guess 14 months ago. We went to uh, AT&T Stadium in Dallas by wow. way of Galveston Beach. We drove down to Houston, <laughs> dipped our toes in the in the ocean at Galveston, had a Devo on the beach, uh, and then drove up to, uh, to to Dallas and just had a great trip together. And this trip that we're planning here oh, will man. be something that is totally different from anything we've ever done. Yeah. Um, our and our trip, this trip has been fun. Oh, I the mean, memories. We, yeah, you you took me through kind of a Spotify you know study guide about for Weezer. Yeah. I've learned a lot about Weezer. Yes. Um, I've, I've given you some you know helpful tips on the best Queen songs that you've probably never heard. Which which are really, really good. Yeah. Oh, yeah, Queen, yeah. Some of the, some of Queen's best songs are, are songs that aren't on their greatest hits. You never would have heard before. Uh, Tell you me you've do done a Queen, a Queen and Youth Ministry podcast. <laughs> no, not yet. <laughs> the Gospel According to Queen. Yes. That will be for a later date. Um, no, but... We, we've had a lot of fun, and I got to thinking, you know, your role on our staff, you've been there three years now working yeah. with young adults, but before that, you also worked with young adults. That's right. And, you know, actually worked with a lot of students who graduated from youth ministries like ours that yes. are listening to this podcast. Tell us what you did prior to coming on board uh, with Otter Creek as a young adult minister. So for several years, I was... Uh, a senior admissions recruiter at Lipscomb University in Nashville, Tennessee, which is a mid-sized Christian university. And that's what I did. I traveled all over the Southeast, all over the West, the Northeast, recruiting and talking to high school students, their families, putting on events 
doing the college fairs, going to camps, retreats, uh, leadership conferences, like all of these things that are just trying to give students and parents a glimpse of Lipscomb University so that they could see or, or at least maybe get a peek to see if Lipscomb would be a great fit for them. And so that's what I did. And so I, I spent lots of time in the walls of churches and in youth ministries and talking face to face with youth ministers and other youth workers uh, about everything. So, you know, we talked to ministry, we talked, because uh, you said before, I used to be uh, a youth intern yeah, and, yeah. and was very connected in, in youth ministry for a long time. Could have so, easily been a youth minister. Yeah, and you thought was, you would be. I thought I was going down that path and, and like we all have experienced in our lives, like there were other plans in store for me and, and, I, and I think that God you know, closed the doors that needed to be closed and opened the ones that needed to be opened. And I am very thankful for all of my years at Lipscomb and for all of the, the people that I've met on the road because that has helped me now do what I do at Otter Creek and in the city of Nashville for young adults. And so in just a minute, I'm going to ask you to begin sort of reflecting on some of the things that maybe youth ministers like us need to hear sure. based on what you saw as these Christian students would come from youth groups all over the country to your university as freshmen, yeah. um, lessons that maybe you, you could help us learn. But first, let's get to know you a little bit. So uh, tell us this, married, not married? I'm single, yeah. Okay. Um, I'm going to start, I'm going to jump in right early with the button question here. Okay. Because I've been thinking, I've been storing this one up all week long, <laughs> or, or ever since I realized we were going to do a podcast on this on this trip. You love Weezer yes. more than anybody I know. <laughs> and I, I, uh, and I yes, actually just true. today caught a glimpse of, of, your, of the depths <laughs> of your love for Weezer. Uh, you, you, you have got a story, y'all. I just—he is. This is a Weezer fan. I mean, uh, yes. Uh, he can barely hold in how much he loves Weezer. So, I, here's the button question, Patrick. Okay. There's a button in front of you. If yes. you press it, right? Okay. You may only listen to Weezer when you listen to music. Okay. For the rest of your life. Okay. If you do not press the button. You may never listen to Weezer again. What? Like, so if you press the button, now press it. Weezer is the only music you can listen to for the rest of your life. You don't hear other music. That, you only hear Weezer. If you do not press it, you will never hear Weezer again. I is there? I would punch the button. <laughs> I would punch it so hard. So Weezer, you would give up all music? I would give it all up for Weezer. <laughs> I, it's not even a, well, I couldn't even pause to to not be able to listen okay. to Weezer. Give us your top three Weezer songs. Oh, okay. Uh, top three, Only in Dreams, Okay. which uh, is on the Blue Album. Okay. That's the last song. That's number uh, number one. Uh, number two is a song that came from the Angus soundtrack. Remember the movie Angus? Uh, yes. It's called You Gave Your Love to Me Softly. I suspect Lee Camp does not remember the movie Angus. <laughs> I listened to that podcast, and that was some fantastic culture. 
conversations. So, what's the name of the song? You gave your love to you, me softly. You gave your love to me softly. Yes, that's my. That's on my. And the two. third one. The third one. Oh man, I'm gonna say. Right, I'm gonna say perfect situation. Perfect situation is off the album Make Believe, and I'm gonna say I'm gonna say that one. That's gonna be okay. That oh man, that that is tough for me. I don't. I just had to say those <laughs> and not dwell on them. I am now already wanted to replace or add, but I'm gonna stick with those three right now. Okay, you're about to eat a hamburger at Blake's Whataburger. Oh, okay, yes. in Tucumcari, uh, Tucumcari, Arizona. I've never been. Is it? I, I've been on one time there, like years ago. There's a great burger place in Arizona called Blake's Whataburger. Uh-huh. You can only put one thing on the burger. So mustard or relish or cheese or mayonnaise, only one thing. What's the one thing that goes on your burger? Barbecue sauce. Okay. All right. Every time. Um, how scared are you of the water? I am. Okay, okay. Patrick, I take I take showers. I do bathe. <laughs> but if if you said. Your mother is drowning in the lake. You must. You're. You need to go and save her. I don't. I would. Your mom. You wouldn't. You wouldn't jump in to save your mom. We both would die. <laughs> so you. Neither don't. one of us are going to live in that situation. I. She's dead now. I'm dead. We're both goners. That. I am so. I. It. Okay. I don't. It. It fears me to have children because I they need to learn how to swim, but I can't protect them if they're I would I So you're very afraid. I'm very afraid. I I need to learn how to swim. It's a tragic story. We don't have time for that story. It it it, you know it I, I wish I could swim. I want to know. Maybe someday. Maybe. Maybe. You went on the. You went rafting. Oh, I love whitewater rafting. Yeah. So you're not that afraid no. of the water. No. Because that that's a, that can be a frightening situation. As because well. if the if I fall out, the sh- the sharp rocks will just take me out inst- instantaneously. <laughs> right. So there won't be much suffering. Patrick, you've traveled a lot. Yes. So you, favorite destination that you've ever traveled to within the states favorite destination you've ever traveled to without the states oh so favorite inside the u.s and outside the u.s boston okay in the states is boston the history man the the history of boston to see all of that rich history to see like that was the first place that they played football and that you know was the first this like restaurant is the oldest restaurant in the US like there's so much history there and Boston in the fall it is just it is gorgeous it is magical if you get a chance if any of you get a chance go to Boston go to New England some of you may live in Boston if you do stay stay there don't keep living there live there the winters are not great right (laughs) we'll say that but I, I, I love, I love Boston. So, coolest destination outside the U.S.? But can, oh, can I change the U.S.? Wait, you just, you but, just said Boston. But, you just went crazy about Boston. Oh, but Laguna Beach, <laughs> my man. Laguna Beach is so great. Okay, I know there's a Laguna Beach in the Gulf near, no, near Panama no. City. You're talking about California. The one on the, okay. California. All right. Yeah, so, both, both of those. 
So you're yes, afraid of water, but your favorite place is on the beach. <laughs> okay, good, good. Just so we're clear. And people in Boston, get to Laguna Beach as soon as, soon as you can. Uh, outside the states, favorite destination, favorite oh, spot. Don't and I, you can't say Kenya. You can't okay, say. I can't say. Okay, no, okay, you can't say fine. made in the streets. Patrick leads multiple trips. Uh, at least one a year to Made in the Streets, and, and podcasters may remember our conversation with Francis Mbuvi. If you haven't listened, listen to that podcast. He's, he's amazing. Only really one weakness uh, being his, his fandom of Arsenal um, Gunners. But, <laughs> Patrick, so you love mitts, I know, as much as I do, oh, maybe man, even more, although that's it. hard to believe. But I'm taking that off the table. Okay, off you the table. You can't say Kenya right. or Kamulu. What, out of the country, where, where's the best place you've ever been? The Perth, Perth, Australia. Tell us something about Perth we didn't know. Oh, and of man. course, we may have listeners from Perth. Sure. Highly unlikely, but who knows? <laughs> Maybe. Give us some Maybe. Perth info. Uh, Perth, oh man. I would say the fun fact about Perth is traveling to Perth, if you fly past Perth, you will start coming back around the world. It is the largest isolated big city in the world. Perth is, is, is amazing. It's beautiful. Um, it's this coastal beach weather. Uh, the people are just so laid back and fantastic and beautiful and kind. And uh, yeah, I, I, I love Perth. I'll show you. I'll show you. I love my, my time there. I have some dear friends who are still living there, of course. And uh, I hope to one day return to Perth just to just to spend time with them. So yeah. So Perth is the largest uh, isolated big city in the world. Yes. I I'm gonna Google later. I want to find out what is the smallest isolated big city in the world. <laughs> <laughs> I am so curious. I want to know the answer. To the All right. We are four miles from Russellville, Arkansas, 82 from Little Rock, and several hours from Nashville. But this podcast will not be able to last that long. So let's move on to our Morris Gregoire question. As you know, Dr. Gregoire, um, I, I use a question of his in every podcast. And yes. he's a great question asker. Yes, he is. And I'm excited about this one. I picked it out just for you, and you'll know why once I say it. <laughs> uh, the question that Dr. Morris Gregoire asks uh, from his book, Asking Can Be Fun, is this. Who is someone that you think probably says you are really bossy? <laughs> and you, of course, know why I'm asking the question. Because there's a lot of people who think of you as a bossy guy. Yes. Oh, yes um, so what, who, who is someone who probably says you're really bossy? I would say uh, my one of my old student workers, his name was Joe Zabak. So student worker, you mean at Lipscomb at you Lipscomb, were doing admissions? Yeah. And that would be like someone in the, con like, even though like, yes, I was his boss, but he would just say, you're really boss Patrick. <laughs> What's his name again? Joe Zabak. Zabak? Zabak. Zabak. Yeah. Okay. And so he, it, so you want me to say in someone outside? In a good outside? way? Well, yeah, yeah, yeah. He, he, bossy he, in a good way? Oh, he, he uh, loves our, our time together. Okay. And, but yeah, so a good was, kind of bossy, which is how those of us on staff with you think of you in the good kind of bossy way. Because, of course, um, as, as you, Patrick, know, you're an aide on the Enneagram. That's right. And and we may have some listeners out there who have who know their own Enneagram number. Yeah. Tell us a little bit about, about you know, just your understanding of what it means to be an eight on the Enneagram, and which is the eight is, is the boss in, the, in the, the, the way that we learned it. Right, right. Right, and, and, and I guess the theme is for an eight, 
And what, is, what what is the Enneagram first? Start start with that. Well, it's so I don't okay, so part of me will say what I'm gonna say, but I don't like saying what I'm gonna say, <laughs> but it's gonna be helpful in explaining the Enneagram. So it is kind of like the Myers Briggs, but it's not. Okay. Like the Myers Briggs. It's so, so, so it's a sort of like a personality profile. It's like a profile. personality profile, yeah. But it's different in what way? It's different because it talks, you can correct me, I think that it's more about motivation than behavior, okay. right? Is that, yeah. was that what you understood? I, I remember that being a part of it big time. Uh, what One thing, and, and our staff, our entire staff did a two-day kind of training session with a lady named Suzanne Stabile and her husband, Father Joe. I'm, I really hope to have them on a podcast oh, someday just to find sweet. out what they would say to youth workers. But... Um, for two days, we learned about this tool for understanding the human personality. And uh, I think the best way to say it that I learned or that I thought to say, yeah. in, in terms of the difference between this and Myers-Briggs, is it's a test that you don't take. You know, Myers-Briggs, you sit down and you answer questions. Right. With the disc profile, you check things and you, you, you know, it's like at the end of your test, you have the results that say you're a you're a D or you're you're a you're a you know an E in in you know T P which yeah. is what I am in the right. Myers Briggs, but this was different because we didn't take a test. No, no, and and so I, I it just so people are going to Google the Enneagram, and there are tests that you can take. Yeah, but, online, but we didn't do those. No, we didn't do those. And it's spelled E N N E A G R A M. Right, right. And so you can take the test. Don't feel like we're saying not to, but the best way is to learn it from someone who is an Enneagram master or, or getting a, a book and just reading about the, the different types. The different numbers. There yes. are nine different numbers. Yeah. And as you hear, we heard an Enneagram master describe each number, and she took about 30 to 45 minutes describing number you know, she started with eight, which yeah. was your number. That's right. And the deal is, you know, you don't take a test. You listen to the number being described. And by the time it's over with, if you're, if that's you, yeah. your palms are sweaty and it's like <laughs> she's been staring into your soul. That's right. It's really freaky. I'm a seven, uh, which is the last number that we talked about. And by the time we got there, you know, I think, I think that everybody, you know, sort of knew that that was going to end up being yeah. me oh, yeah. uh, in the room. But it was like... I, and so, in other words, the Myers-Briggs, you take a test and then you find out what your number is or what, what your designation is. Right. But with the Enneagram, when you hear the number talked about, you just know it's you. It's yeah. like you just know yeah. that that's me. I'm a person. And so, tell us about your number. You're number eight. I'm number eight. And so, eights have something a, a need to be against. And we don't necessarily want control over anyone. We just don't want you to have control over us. <laughs> So you come across <laughs> as ready to argue, right? Because it that energizes oh, you, yeah. Um, as opposed to many of the numbers on the enneagram that just want peace and right. want conflict to go away, right? You want to see who who's in this as whole hog as you are. That's right. That's right. Um, That's and, exactly right. And so, and we watched that play out in our staff meetings, and it was just fun when oh, it, when, when she was done with the eight. She's like, "Who who in here's an eight? And you were the only one in <laughs> on our staff to say me, and no one was surprised. <laughs> So, you know, bossy in a good way. I mean, yeah, I thought that way. question yeah. was perfect and, for you. And I think, too, I'll say this. I highly encourage anyone listening to this to truly prayerfully consider, 
doing research and learning about the Enneagram. I think it is one of the most helpful things I've learned in ministry to date because it, it helps you not only understand yourself, but understand other people within your church, on your staff, your students. Yeah, that's and you right. Can, that's and, right. and it will help. I think it can help you be a better minister. I, I think. And, and you may... No, I totally I, agree. I know, you but, hear about these other numbers. You know, as I listened to to the, the Enneagram teacher describe these other, you know, people in, the, in my life, it's like... I'm learning how to interact. I, I'm, I'm, I'm learning about who they are and what motivates their lives and how I can best communicate with them, meet their needs. And there were incredible implications for youth ministry, oh, which yeah. is why I want to have Suzanne and, and yeah, Joe on a podcast. So I hope I can do that. Cool. Um, I, we're done with the questions. That was uh, officially perhaps the slowest uh, lightning round <laughs> get to know me ever. But Patrick, thank you for joining us yes. on this road. You, you, yes. you only had to travel almost 3,000 miles. We're up to 2920 now. Um, thousand miles. That's yeah, we will have gone more than three thousand by the time we get back. Wow. Let's let's turn our attention now to what we youth ministers can learn from you, having spent um, almost a decade now working either in college uh, admissions with a Christian school yeah. and now with young adults. What are, what are lessons that that you would say youth ministers don't forget to do this or start doing this? Yeah. I uh, okay. That's a great question and. I would say one of the things that I would encourage youth ministers and youth workers to do with their students, especially when they're reaching that senior, junior, senior year, uh, and they're looking for colleges and they're looking for whatever, or maybe it's the next, whatever the next step's going to be for them. But it's celebrating whatever it, wherever they decide to go next. And being there and celebrating with them in just some truly passionate, authentic ways. And and what I mean by that is so many times I would see youth ministers put some pressures on students, whether it's to go to the state school because that's where your light will shine for Jesus. Or is go to the Christian school because that's where you're going to find a great Christian husband and wife. and, And that's where all good Christians need to go is to the Christian university or it's to, you know what, you need to do the trade school because that's the, the, the financially strong decision and we need to be financially strong and, and great-minded Christian. You know, whatever it is, they put this pressure and then the student just just is just struggling to, to celebrate or be happy about a decision if they don't choose the thing that the youth minister or the youth worker or or the parent thinks they've got so much going on with friends and and family and everything else and it's like i i just want i think it'd be so great if our youth ministers and youth volunteers and youth workers to just celebrate the students and whatever that next decision is for their life i think that's a good thing so i'm hearing this you know one idea you're you're, you're kind of saying instead at the senior night when you celebrate the graduation of these seniors your your church's senior night celebration when you hand out that booklet and and everybody's got their picture and and their little bio instead of saying where is this student going to college you know right say what's next yeah and then and then that gives a student the freedom to to do something other than college which in my setting is pretty rare most students go to some form of you know higher learning or some school, but but not always. And, no. and that's a great word to celebrate whatever's next. Find a way to do that. And I love, you know, our boy, 
our, our students don't need any more pressure. Right. And certainly not from hey, us. Okay, nice. good. That's good. Thank you for that. Um, what what else? You know, I, I would say, and I thought about this uh, some uh, uh, just yesterday and, and even uh, last night. I, I would, I think it'd be so great if youth ministries helped students fall in love with reading. I know that's really a weird word, but I, I'm huh. gonna, I'll say a little bit more about that. Is okay. You have your Bible studies, you you have your your lessons and that kind of thing. But some students don't don't come out just excited about reading and growing in knowledge and and exploring not only the Bible but just books because there's so much that can be learned in reading books and growing and and so many of the youth ministers and youth workers and youth volunteers are already in some ways book readers and people who love to read but they some people came through that kind of in a you know dragging kicking and screaming kind of a way you know what i'm saying so if there was a way that we could start as early as high school saying look at the great thing like being a leader involves you being a reader and that's going to serve you well as you go off into whatever comes next because being a great reader and being a healthy reader has nothing to do with college you could be doing that as you are learning to become a plumber and being excellent at 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 that work or maybe it's it's uh going off into the military or maybe it's going off into uh, uh, working in a customer service because you want to provide and be a, a part of providing for your family and you need to do that in that way. That is being a healthy yeah. reader. And so when they encounter someone like me who um, that's one way that I have seen students grow so much. And I was like, man, I, if you could have gotten started a little bit sooner. And those students I meet who are readers in some way, like they they seem to be thriving in some really healthy ways. That's really interesting. And and of course, obviously, reading their their Twitter feed, reading the Instagram <laughs> feed. The, the, this doesn't count. No, 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 no. You're talking about <laughs> reading, you know, for gaining knowledge and yeah. book reading and things like that. Yeah, and if, if some of you say, well, okay, well, here's a Max Lucado book, or here's a, a Donald Miller book, or whatever. I, yeah, that's great. I say yes to the Christian book. I love Christian authors. I'm a big Christian author reader myself but i i mean fiction history but what uh-huh. you know i you know this i mean you can learn so much from reading you know fiction stories and history books and yeah oh yeah autobiographies and all that kind of thing so yeah okay and so that's so another good that's another word i have we, we we're big on leadership training you're saying find a way to do some readership training yeah all yeah. right good good uh, what, what else something else something that you've seen oh, in incoming man. college christian students that youth ministers maybe have failed to do or or need to do more of or something that we're accidentally doing that we shouldn't so here's a big one and it's, it's i'm gonna i'm gonna say the word and 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 see what happens <laughs> should i be nervous no is this a four-letter word no way no way okay discernment okay discernment and say more okay well so many times you, you meet a college freshman or you meet a young adult and they're having such a difficult time deciding what to do what to major in 
what to take this opportunity or not to take it. Whether to, to come take to this, this school or not school. that school, to that relationship or this relationship, and and they they just have not been equipped. And and I know this is some of the work that I do, and I and I'm a part of this, but I think that we could get again helping these students who are graduated from high school already start thinking in some healthy ways of discernment and and what it means to be to to go about discernment and and going through the process and 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 not get wrapped up in some unhealthy kind of this is god's will and and only god's will for your life and and if you mess up like oh that's so i think that's what it is they 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 have well-intentioned potential youth workers youth volunteers or parents or outside folks go ahead yeah well no i was just gonna say are you are you saying we as youth leaders are training them to sort of assume that there's one correct path that if they miss something's gone wrong some that I, i see that sometimes i do i don't see it in every single student but i do see that in some students that i come across and some young adults that I that I interact with that have even got out of college, and I think they're still carrying around this kind of language, this kind of way of thinking about um, discernment and and God's will and God's desire for them, for their lives. Like I, I feel like they they are so afraid. They they end up being so afraid. So if I go to the, you know, I've got this opportunity to go to one of two schools. That, you know, two two choices here. Right. I've got to make the right choice, right. and maybe. We've given students um, the sense that if they pray hard enough and listen, listen, you know, to God or listen to the voices of wisdom in their lives, you know, right. God will reveal His plan or reveal the, the the His will, and that 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 can you're saying that can be tricky. It can because things don't always go like you think that they will or, or a student internalizes that pressure to do what it is that God you know the one thing that God has willed and then you know sort of really regrets maybe making a decision that yeah. doesn't pan out when maybe that was maybe the best thing in the world was to do this thing that looks like it didn't pan out right and God's going to use that right um, I, so I, I wonder about this is there a story do you have a story of a, a person, maybe a college student there that you worked with, that you recruited Lipscomb, that was agonizing over that decision, trying to do what God wanted them to do, where where that happened, and you saw somebody sort of internalize the pain of feeling like they let God down by doing the wrong thing. Oh, that's a great question. Um, I, I I think I, I do think of one particular student. You know, uh, you know, he was. I mean. He was really, really struggling on, on, on what he wanted to do. And this is something very small, but, I mean, it's a very true kind of example. I mean, he has some trouble with understanding, like, what he wants to do for the summer. He's like, do I take this internship or do I go and work this other job back home in a restaurant that I used to work at? And it, I've sat with him, and he just agonized over the decision because like I'm just I just want to do what what God's will is from and he just kept saying that over and over again and I and, and I kept listening and I was trying to investigate like why it was so hard for him to just say I want to do this or I want to do this because neither of the opportunities that he had before him were going to lead him down the ways of 
destruction. Yeah, yes. Yeah, of of, of right. sin and of and of hurting himself and and and, and being, right. harming others, know, harming others, injustice to God's kingdom. Yeah, and yeah. it was just like they're both healthy, great decisions. And I was like, I think just, I think God just wants you just to pick. You just need to just pick one, and God is going to be with you in whichever thing you decide to do with this yeah. summer. But that was just that's a, such a small example. But I mean, like, can you, you can only imagine that if if you know with people like hopefully me and other folks in his life don't help kind of give him a healthier way of of discern of discernment and of of trying to figure out life decisions you can see how that can be problematic when he graduates and has to make an even bigger yeah, yeah, yeah. decision of like okay school is done now what yeah it sounds like you're talking about when you say discernment what you're kind of it sounds like what you're saying is you know don't turn everything into a matter of discerning God's will and recognizing that God is at both schools. Yeah. God is back home oh, at the yeah. restaurant. God is at the summer internship and and you know maybe right now we 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 hit the discernment release valve. Um, so it's not so much training them in how to be more discerning to find God's will but recognizing that you know, this this isn't a win or lose scenario right. with you and God. Right. Is that what you're saying? Oh yeah. Almost yeah, yeah. like, I, and I don't hear you saying God doesn't care what the student does. No, no, not at but, all. But but that you know, God is God is letting this student just choose. Yeah, yeah, and and, and it's just, not about finding which one God wants most for him. Right. In every situation. Right. Um. Okay. Yeah. Wow. Well, yeah. that's good. Okay. Yeah, and then one more thing. And maybe this could be the and, and and I can give some more if we want to do that. But I, I think this last one I'll I'll say for now, and uh, and we may can explore more you know later. Um, but I would just encourage every youth worker, youth minister, volunteer, whoever it is in listening now, if you are interacting with high school students right now that are that are eventually going to be graduating from high school. It's to really um, reach out and stay connected to these students after and they after, after they, they graduate. Go yeah, I mean, yes, they go off to their school, whether it's a state school or a community college or some Christian university or a trade school, wherever it is they end up going. And especially if they leave home and leave their, their home city, is. Even if you're busy, I know you all are so busy and you're all doing so much and you're staying connected to your families and you're trying to live healthy lives. But even if it's a simple note, a simple text message, a simple phone call, just letting that student know, hey, I have not, I'm still, I, I still think and pray about you. I, 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 I hope things are going well. I hope you're, you're getting out there and you're doing the things that, that we kind of try to equip you to do as a high school student in this next phase of life because here's the here's the reality that I don't think a lot of people really understand about the freshman experience and some do and just have forgotten is that being a freshman on a new campus and if you don't have a ton of friends that are there or a lot of communities already there is that you can go through a, a real big season of loneliness and you and, and this income this doesn't happen this happens with even those students who you say that student will go up on step they're gonna 
they're so outgoing. They're so likable. They're going to be great no matter where they go. And And that may be true. But it doesn't mean that that first semester that they're not in their dorm room and they're like, I am so alone. And we as college ministers and and college workers are, you know, are trying, are doing our best to reach out to these students. But you all have been so invested. We've already got that connection. You're always something you say. I don't know if you've said it on this before, but you're always their youth minister. Yeah. And what's funny is we... I'm, I'm guessing every single youth worker, you know, whether you're a volunteer youth worker or you are a paid youth minister in a congregational setting, we, I'm sure we all think of our students when they graduate as, as they're still our students and they're always going to be ours and we're always going to feel like you're, they're youth ministers. Right. But, but how often do we tell them that? Right. I'm fond of saying that to them when they graduate and I'm fond of telling people like you, Patrick, that that's how I feel about yeah. them. But but when's the last time I sent a text message to to the 2012 graduates who are who are in the middle of their junior year of college right, right. now or, or getting ready to finish up their junior year? Yeah, how, when's the last time I, I said to them via text message or anything else, hey, you'll you'll always be a part of my life yeah. and I will always consider myself your youth minister. The truth is, I, I don't I can't remember the last time yeah. I did that. But I feel it. I really yeah. do. I love them so yeah. much. And I know we all do. That's why we're doing what we're doing. Right. I mean, that's why we're in this thing called youth ministry. That is a really good challenge because, you know, as you were talking, I was thinking about students that just graduated last year, you know, for my youth ministry who I know, you know, are going to do great in college. Right. Or they're going to do great wherever they end up. But but hearing you as this former college recruiter who had and I know you're just such a relational person you had relationships on campus to hear you say they're lonely you know that's a that's a lonely time Uh, I needed to hear that so I appreciate that very much and I I imagine we all um, benefit from hearing that the the last thing I want to talk about and and I don't want to I think that was your last one so we can move forward Um, I now that you're doing college work we have gotten a chance to talk about something that, that just an interesting dynamic that I think has implications for youth ministry. But it starts at your level, where you're you've got college and young adults, and we've talked about this before. If you budgeted fifteen or twenty thousand dollars right. to do a free meal every Wednesday night for whoever, <laughs> whatever college student wanted to come for a free meal, yeah. you, you'd get more students in your ministry. Without a doubt. If you just bought their dinner every Wednesday night. Oh, yeah. And I've heard you talk about that. And I know there are churches, I know of churches that do this, and our, our church is not one of them. No. Um, but but I know you've thought about it. Yeah. Oh, and yeah. I know that it, it's it's like, you know, do the question for you becomes, is, is, is food, is that... Is that where we want to spend our money? Do we want to do something else? Um, What's the best use of funds for the kingdom of God here in this place with these adult college students or or young adults? But for youth ministry, the question I want to ask, and I wonder if you would have any thoughts on it, would be, I feel like like I'm training our Otter Creek Youth Group students for that. I'm preparing. I think it's in youth ministry where we start – that process of saying, "Hey, 
I'm throwing money at this thing that I know you're gonna love and you're right. gonna do it and so you'll plug into my ministry and and it's like a Pavlovian response you know am I preparing students to become college you know young adults who are gonna say what church should I be at hmm let's see where the free meal is yeah I mean am I off base is that something I should care about is that something that I'm that I'm that is not happening you know or what do you think no I, I think you're on to something you know and I think that, so, you know, the, you know, the whole history, and I'm sure there's better people to talk on this podcast about the history of youth ministry and how it has come to where it is right now in our culture, right? Like youth ministry, like most every church in the country will spend a lot of their budgeted money on youth and children's ministry providing most with paid staff members you know large budgets with you know transportation costs and and all kinds of activities and retreats and camps and things like that absolutely yeah and it's all about like who's got the best programming who's doing the coolest trips and you know that's that's where we've come with a lot of youth ministry. So then what happens is students graduate from high school, they get into college, and depending on where you go, like I would say you could probably go to a lot of your major cities and find um, college ministries that are doing equally on the same level of like flashiness and like coolness and and, and we've got this stuff and we're doing all these great things. You can, you can see that in almost every city has got some, one or two, or at least a, a small handful of, of churches or church kind of related ministries that are doing something like that, right? You, you see that. But for the most part, on average, most of your churches aren't really doing what they do for high school children's ministry for their college ministries they're, they're, they're not they're not spending they're as not much spending money spending the money yeah on the adult you know college or young no, adult ministries yeah. like they are youth and children's okay? and, it, and it makes sense right because I mean, parents are attached to these teens and the parents are you know they want their part, young people to go to church yeah they want to get people to go to church and it's like they're going to be there so we need to so you know and granted like the the kind of ideas about college students is they're they're nomads and they roam and, and like, they're poor. They're poor and we don't need to starving put college kids. Any yeah, anything. I mean, if we do this and so, you know, it's tough because I see, I understand, I see the value of the the food part of the ministry, and I don't think that's a in and of itself a bad thing, but I think where it becomes uh, problematic is when like that is. Look at us where we've spent this money on this meal and we've got 200 college students coming every week. We're Look how great we are. But then you talk to these students and you say, are you growing? Are you being challenged? Are you kind of trying to live in this in this life, moving closer to be like Jesus? And some of them say, I'm here. If you got to them, I'm here for the free meal. And, and the implicate the thing that I'm interested in in youth ministry, I know there's, you know, I have never once thought I'm going to throw money in an event so that right. I can grow a whole a big deal, or or I'm gonna, I'm gonna, you know, budget a bunch of money so that we can 
bribe students into coming in here right. and making our ministry look like it's really big. I mean, right. we don't we don't care about that. And I'm sure there's no youth minister listening to this podcast who just wants a really big ministry right. and wants to bribe students with money. No, but no, the, no. the the thing though is, and I think you hit the nail on the head. When when you know, I fail to ask the important question about why it is that I'm doing this. Right. And what effect is this having, you know, then I think I've missed an important step. So camp is great and camps cost money. Right. But what is our camp doing in the lives of students? Are we evaluating that? You know, am I taking a look to say, you know, what what is the reality? Is is our camp helping, you know, students develop into mature disciples of Christ? Um or not, yeah. and if not, then then maybe we don't blow up camp and and you know do something yeah. different. But maybe we address that so that the target ends up being the heart and life of the student, yeah. and 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 maybe we begin to I don't know pr- produce or generate from our youth ministries the types of students that will hunger for more than just a Chick Fil A sandwich yeah. on a, on a Wednesday night. Imagine imagine if. Youth ministries were graduating students who showed up in whatever city USA and they go to church A and they say, you know what, I like this church. I wonder if they got a college ministry. And they go say, is there a college ministry here? And I'm like, well, kind of, not really. What if the student was so equipped from the youth ministry? They was like, oh, you don't have one? Well, we're about to start one because yeah. wow. I believe in this church and I'm so, and That's I'm funny. so in, in I, I'm spilling. I, I got so much fulfillment and I'm so filled up with right. these, like a great youth ministry. That's like, no, it doesn't stop here. I'm ready to like go to the next level and I'm ready to, to be a part of some of a grass movement within yeah. this, this church may be this small church and I'm going to invite my friends and we're going to, and we're just going to really do some some rich and deep things here that that maybe we're not going to be the flashiest thing on the block but could you imagine if wow. if, well, if high school students were graduating and and that was what they were they were like we're about to go to college and we're about to if nothing is started l- yeah we're going to be the ones that started well what it's just it's just hilarious to hear you say that it's so very youth ministry 3.0 to think that we would produce students who are looking for an amazing church and then they're going to ask the question is there something here for college students i mean the very way you started that story sounds almost antithetical to what our youth ministries often produce which is students who would look for a college ministry right (laughs) you know whether or not it's at a church or you know whatever church it's at is irrelevant because i'm looking for a college ministry that meets my needs or a college ministry that is like or that that the people i like already go to or whatever you know i i think that you have just cast a vision that will work like seriously if we minister to our sixth 7th, 8th, 9th, 10th, 11th, 12th graders in such a way as to try to help, you know, them grow into the college student who would look for a healthy church home first, yes. regardless of of what the adult, you know, what the college minister looks That is revolutionary. 
And I think that does have implications for the kind of youth ministry that we run. Yeah. You know, so we're not going to care whether we're the ministry that everyone is talking about oh, yeah. or whether we've got the bells and whistles. But, but you know, are our students the kind of students that are ready to step out into the world and look for a body of believers like the one that they have here oh, at our church? That would be beautiful. Uh, I, li- I really like that. That's, that's a challenging idea. Um, but I love it. I really love it, and I hope I can. I hope we can do it at my congregation. That is a real, that is a challenge because, you know, every dollar that we spend on youth ministry, we, we do for the right reasons because we want to connect to students. But but let's let's just be careful uh, about the why and, and and also watch what what's really happening. Um, this is great. I hope if you're a youth minister out there that you've. Yes. Uh, heard Patrick say something that will bless. We're we're getting up close to an hour, um, and obviously we have many many more hours to go. <laughs> but Patrick, I still have to play some Queen songs from the later years, <laughs> a kind of magic innuendo. We haven't gotten to Made in Heaven. Uh, we may even touch on some Queen plus Paul Rogers. We'll see. Um, but Patrick, anything else you want to say to us? Uh, oh. You know, a word of blessing or say a prayer over us or something. I am. I, I just want for those that are listening. Know that what you do is important. What you are loved, and people are praying for the work that you're doing. Even though you may not know it and may not feel it, people are praying for you and your ministries to thrive in some amazing ways. And I hope that this podcast and what David's doing is a blessing to you. And I, I just, I, I, we, I'm rooting for you. I'm rooting for all of you. Because I, I believe what you're doing can truly transform what happens here now on earth and helping us bring the kingdom of God to earth and live it out in some more joyful, passionate, loving ways. So thank you. Thank You don't, you don't hear this sometimes, but thank you for what you're doing. Thank you for giving your lives to these students and meeting them in some of the most vulnerable and messy parts of their lives. So thank you. Thank you, Patrick. And if you, you obviously, most of y'all don't know Patrick, but this guy means it. He really does love you. And that goes even if you're not a Weezer fan. Uh, yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, sure. Of course. So of course, yes. Patrick. But be a Weezer fan. Y- you know, you and I, I, we love each other. Yes. And we're, we're, one of the cool things about the body of Christ is that because we know that you've been created in the image of God. You possess the divine spark within you. I possess the divine spark within me. Right. We whether we shouldn't love each other like we do, but because of the reality of God in the world and the Holy Spirit at work and the and the work of God in Christ, we can love one another like crazy. So I'm gonna I'm setting all this up to say I'm calling an audible. Oh. Yeah. Okay. Well, you've listened to the podcast before, so I you have. know I normally finish with uh, the Hallelujah Chorus music in the background, you know, with the whistling uh, from the nobility. Yes. But last night, you may recall, <laughs> if you don't remember, we, you might remember from the last 30 minutes while we've been practicing this. So I could, you know, uh, last night, I played a song. We were listening on Spotify to Song for Love is the name of the song, and it's by a band called Extreme, and you knew them because of More Than Words. That's right. It's a great song. 91. But Song for Love is just one of those songs that when you listen to it, you can tell these guys, extreme, they they know God. Whoever wrote this song knows 
God because we are stronger together on earth. And and so instead of... Yeah, I thought tonight we'd finish the podcast with this. Okay. And do a little singing. So oh, play the music. Oh. Let's do this. And let's sing. Uh, if you know the song, sing a, sing along. All I, for one. Sing with a very And one for all together. Oh. Singing a song <laughs> for love. You can sing well, with us. Well, Everybody, if you know the words, let's do it. You and I are none without the other. Singing a song for love. So it is beautiful, Patrick, <laughs> just like you are. Thank you for being on the digital side hub. Thanks for having me. And uh, it, listeners out there, I'm going to let Gary Sharon and Nuno Betancourt and the boys take us home with uh, the end of this song, Song for Love. Uh, thank you for being a digital side hug listener, and we will see you next time. <laughs> that song is so good. And you know what's amazing? It's good. It's good. What's amazing about that song is, uh, and we mentioned earlier, I'm a big Queen fan. Yes. You can, when you listen to these guys, I mean, Queen was a major influence. In fact, this song, I know the podcast is technically supposed to be over right now, but this song, Song for Love, is very reminiscent of a song from the 1976 Day at the Races album by Queen and Jordan House. You know, you know where I'm going with this. Uh, a little song called Teo Toria, Let Us Cling Together As The Years Go By. Oh, my love. You know what I'm talking uh, about. And you. we won't sing another song, but that, that just this is what a fun podcast. All right. Yes. We're, we're, now we're really done. Okay. Really we're, done. We're now. actually done. Patrick, you can stop it. And we're, we're on our way to Nashville. We're now at 3.30.